Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Shabir Hassan. I uh, hope you're all doing well. And of course, we have Ramadan literally now around the corner. So uh, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Um, today's episode, we are going to focus um, a little bit uh, uh, on Ramadan. Of course, we're going to keep it within the theme itself. Got a very special guest joining us as well for the first time on the podcast. A lot more local to us this time, alhamdulillah. Um, he is uh, he's a doctor. He's a he's a scholar. Mashallah, you, pro- you you may have seen him on Islam Channel. Uh, he's busy always answering lots of questions on Instagram as well. Uh, we have with us joining uh, uh, with us for today, alhamdulillah, Sheikh Dr. Salim Al Azhari. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair. Very kind of you to invite me on. Um, pleasure to be here. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us, Sheikh. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on board. Um, and yeah, you know, Ramadan is literally around the corner. How are you feeling? It's it's almost here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, the, you can kind of feel the Ramadan spirit. Just, um, you know, everyone's talking about everyone's getting ready um, in, in various ways, shapes, forms, whether it be, you know, Classes are being, you know, put out for Ramadan, buying dates, uh, you know, everyone yeah. generally getting ready. So, um, yeah, inshallah, uh, we ask Allah to enable us to see it and make the most of it. I mean, inshallah, inshallah. Um, last year's Ramadan, right, was yeah. uh, a bit strange for a lot of us. Uh, yeah. I think that there's the first time for a lot of us where we couldn't go to the masjid. Um, it was, you know, spent a lot of time at home to yeah. ourselves. How was it for you, like just last Ramadan in general? Do you, do you do you think it was? Do you think it had a negative impact? Do you think it was some positives that came out of it? Like, what was your general feeling? Well, yeah, it's a good question. So I think it works. Uh, it worked both ways. There was definitely some positives. For example, last year, you know, as you know, there's a lockdown. There's no tarawih, you know, no masajid and so on. So you had to develop the khushur. And that concentration yourself. There's no imam you're going to be praying with a beautiful recitation, with, you know, nice long dua and everyone's crying. You have to develop that yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what, that's one of the things, you know, uh, that, that really came out of last year uh, as such. Being able to to uh, attach your, yourself, attach your heart to the Qur'an really uh, individually rather than, you know, having the other normal things that we're used to as such. So... From that regard, yes, there, there, there was definitely some some things that helped that, uh, you know, we can work on. Inshallah, take forward to, to this year. Yeah, inshallah. Um, before we speak more in detail about like Ramadan, uh, we've got a few interesting things we actually want to speak about today as well. Uh, sure. One thing I wanted to touch on later on was um, actually kids, uh, because a lot of times we, we adults have these conversations about Ramadan and then we kind of neglect kids. They're not really in the picture uh, yeah. So I actually really want to speak about that. But before any of that, actually, I'm just quite, I'm just, you know, personally a bit intrigued, and I wanted to know a bit about just, uh, you know, your your kind of background because everybody yeah. knows that, mashallah, you're a doctor, uh, but also you, you know, everybody knows you as uh, Azhari, which you know, for those of you who don't know, it's it's a, it's kind of like a title and attribution, right? Uh, yeah. Given to where you studied, which was Al Azhar University in in Egypt. That's right. um, so I actually wanted to ask because I, I actually don't know this genuinely. Is that mm. which one did you do first? Did you do medicine first and then go to Azhar, or was it the other way yeah. around? So, so I took a bit of an unorthodox route, um, if you <laughs> like. So, so I did medicine first uh, here in London at St George's. Um, so I was there 2002, show my age, 2002, 2007. Uh, I wanted to go abroad to to study to learn more about Islam, but what happened was 
medicine's a five-year degree and you know I felt if I, I couldn't leave like halfway through after two three years I thought if I leave after two three years I'm never going to come back to, yeah. to medicine um, and I thought it wasn't right that uh, you know I had, I had Allah had given me the opportunity so I thought let me finish uh, my medical degree first so I finished a medical degree um, then I realized oh you have to do it's like a pre-registration so that was another year <laughs> two years essentially did that here alhamdulillah uh, in South London and then uh, then I went to Egypt I was there for seven years uh, until 2016. Um, so initially, you know, the normal stuff everyone does, we go learn, you know, Quran, Arabic and so on. Um, then I went into uh, what's known as Thanawiya. So over there in Azhar, they have this system where before you can get into the university, you have to do their equivalent of A-levels, essentially, right. uh, set of exams that you have to do. So Alhamdulillah did those. Um, then went to the university for four years, uh, Faculty of Sharia. Um, yeah, and then I came back here, and then when I came back here, uh, obviously I, ha- I was out of medicine now for for seven years or so. Mm. Uh, so then I did uh, I worked a little bit in A and E um, just to make sure you know everything. You know, I still had everything going on. I still knew what I was doing and so on, um, and my competencies uh, were still there. And then after that, then I went into GP training. So alhamdulillah, I'm working as a as a GP at the moment. Alhamdulillah. So. That's 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 a good solid like what fourteen years like straight that you were like studying almost what full time. Like I've been studying since I was like three years old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been exams. It's like the first year of exams. There's always exams going on. Yeah, but... I can imagine every year you've got exams. You've got that stress. You've got that pressure. And yeah. and we're talking like you know medicine, which obviously is no joke. And then going into something as intensive as you know, uh, like Islamic study. What what did you specialize in, by the way, in in Azhar? Uh, fiqh. So, fiqh, uh, yeah. Fiqh was what wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, but did, did you just find like they were like just two opposite ends of the spectrum, like studying medicine and then yeah. going into like fiqh? Like, how did you find that? Yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I had a bit of a, a background, although not formally, in terms of of Islamic kind of study before I went to Asia, which helped a lot because there were a lot of um, you know other people who were there in my year and so on who didn't have a bit of a foundation. Um, yeah. Islamic studies, Arabic or Quran and so on. Um, so that definitely helped. I think also with the medical kind of angle as well, in terms of, like I said, it is a lot of exams, it is a lot of studying. So I was kind of used to that mindset of, you know, there's exams, you just have to sit there and, and study for it, essentially. Mm. Um, but I was kind of used to that kind of angle. So it did help in, in, in many regards. Mm, yeah, interesting. So you're not like that, because a lot of people... Um, they, they would they would say right that it's either it's either or like you know it's either you study medicine something like medicine you specialize and you know that takes really so many years that. of your life <laughs> uh, or it's you can go down the route and become you know a student yeah. of knowledge full-time kind of studying so you kind of did both so, and and, and, and you, yeah. you know when you I'm, I'm not, we're not going to give away your age you didn't mention any of that but like when you clearly when you started studying yeah. in Asad you weren't you weren't like a 18, 19 year old, right? Yeah, you had finished was, medicine. Yeah, no, no. I was, uh, where did I get teacher when I was 25, I think? Uh, uh, 26, around around there. It was a long so time you ago. You graduated basically in your 30s, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, See, yes. So, 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 what I'm saying is not that we put any age <laughs> limit on studying. <laughs> no, I think, <laughs> I'll tell you what they do, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, we don't, I mean, we don't put any age on, on studying, but, yeah. you know, from, from the kind of, I don't know how to say it, but like the kind of normal, you know, societal kind of route is, oh, you start early, you kind of finish That's early, right. and then, then you've right. set your path, right? That's um, right. Yeah, so you yeah. graduated in your 30s, and, and for some people hearing that, they're like, wow, yeah. that's, that's a late, you know, late bloomer, I think they call it, right? Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in that sense. 
So yeah. did, was was that a struggle for you? Was that was, was that yeah, different? When I was even when I was studying over there, uh, to be honest, when I when I was coming back here, I wouldn't mention the TV channels, but I was actually doing the Q and A live on TV uh, in my twenties. So even before I had completely graduated over there, I said I had a bit of a background. So um, that, that, that definitely um, helped uh, from, from that regard. But it also what I did find is that having a bit, being a little bit older than like an 18 year old who's going straight to university, you know, the average 18 year old is going straight there. Um, also just in terms of experience, uh, in terms of being able to, particularly, you know, here in the UK, I'll give you an example. Here in the UK, we've got a number of different differences of opinions, a number of different people with different backgrounds, a number of people with different, different methods and so on. And because I'd already been exposed to all of that, uh, in terms of studying, it really does help, uh, you know, for you to be able to understand the issues and also to, be able to relate to people when you're giving answers and so on. Um, whereas without that kind of experience, then it's it takes time. You know, as I say, there's no substitute for experience. Just one of those things that, that takes yeah. time. But yeah, there were, there were a lot of things Hamdel, that, that, were, that were blessings. Yeah, no, I think I agree. Like being a bit more mature, kind of thing, having a grasp of other things, and then going into studying. I think that gives you that gives you an edge. I think yeah. definitely, especially when you've gone through something as like kind of rigorous and intensive as like medicine. Like you kind of trained yourself to like be in full study mode, uh, yeah. as opposed to being thrown into it, like as an eighteen-year-old. Like, oh, yeah. where do I go? So I think yeah. you kind of you kind of were in that mode or that zone, if you want to call zone. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, going into like your Azhar days. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's actually really that's actually really interesting so uh coming back to my so the point i was making earlier basically was mm. the either or kind of thing right like either yeah. become a doctor lawyer whatever or you're, you're a scholar but you kind of have yeah. you managed to do both balance both and you've shown that you can actually go down that route um so how, how do you now that you've done both mm. how do you kind of juggle that now i mean you're you're, you're you said you're a gp but yeah. at the same time you clearly got a lot of you know quote-unquote sheikh duties you know uh khutbas you know talks yeah. and so on so like how are you how are you juggling both right now um with great difficulties honest answer. <laughs> um, it's 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 hard it's hard uh to be completely honest with you and and you know um i think that the when i was thinking about studying and so i think one of the key things really for anyone that's studying is what is your end aim what do you want to be what do you want to use that study for so for example if you if you want to be somebody that's giving Jumma khutbas for as an example right you don't necessarily need to go abroad for 15 20 30 years to study to be able to give a Jumma khutbah so it comes down to essentially where do you want to go what do you want to be um and that kind of will really help shape the decision in terms of which uh line you want to go do you want to go down the medical field do you want to go down i don't know any other type of field that we normally you know, one normally studies here in the UK, or do you want to, to go down a bit more of an Islamic field? But nowadays, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of uh, institutions that are providing that Islamic education. And also, you know, you can do a one-year kind of add-on or a little bit extra in terms of helping you build a foundation within the UK and relate a lot of the the, the, the kind of subjects that would normally be taught here. So um, I, I do think it is important for any, um, you know, for any student of knowledge, for anyone that's studying who's been abroad definitely does some study here to be able to purely to be able to relate to people. So, you know, you can understand where they're coming from with the questions they ask, um, you know, and, and what type of answers they're looking for. They're not always looking for uh, the Maliki say this, the Hanafi say this, the Hanbali say this, the Shafi say this. They're just looking for an answer, um, you know, generally speaking as to, to, to what question they have. So being able to relate to people, I think is very, very important. And unless you mix with people in your own country, in your own area, in your own land, 
it's not always easy to be able to to give an appropriate answer. Mm, interesting. So is that the kind of things you you keep in mind when you're answering questions? Uh, because uh, again, like for example, if you're answering questions live on TV, you're answering yeah. questions uh, on on even like Instagram on social media. Um, yeah. You know, there's clearly a lot of things you've got to factor in, right? Because you have to be careful as well, like the kind of answer you're giving the audience and so on so like is are these the kind of things you consider before you yeah definitely so so if if the person says that for example sometimes what will happen is they say um i'm from the hanifi medheb uh what's the answer what's you know are you allowed to i don't know for example i had a question eat prawns eat prawns the good one yeah eat prawns the good crabs another one yeah uh, for example, I had one today um, in terms of alcohol and perfume. You know, when you spray the, the perfumes, yeah. that and the, uh, is that allowed? Uh, I'm from the Hanifi Medtab. That was the, the question as kind of, um, you know, phrase. So sometimes you get that and then I'll answer according to the Hanifi Medtab. Sometimes somebody will say Hanbili Medtab, whatever it may be. So if they have a specific uh, viewpoint that they want to answer for, and I'm, if I happen to know it, then inshallah, I will, I will try and answer according to that. Uh, otherwise, sometimes I will say the majority view or the overwhelming majority view of scholars is this. Um, or sometimes I would say well, there are two views. Um, this is view X. This is view Y. So it depends on on, on the question and on the questioner as well. Mm, interesting. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, you know, that, it's, it's, it's good to know these things. I think, alhamdulillah. And uh, you know, going into like your 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 work in the the medical profession. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've had COVID. Uh, you know, ongoing yeah. for the past year or so. That that's I guess that's another challenge, right? That you've probably been having. Uh, as a as a healthcare professional, have you yeah. been have you been finding that uh, just as a GP and has it been quite yeah. overwhelming? I mean, it's different uh, because now everything's on phone, you know, phone mm. videos, pictures, um, which we never really used before. Everything was kind of face to face uh, interaction, so it's different. But I think we're kind of used to it now, alhamdulillah. And particularly where we are now in the situation, it's a lot different to a year ago when it was all new. We didn't know. Yeah what the virus was essentially when it first came out and so on. But now we have a lot more information, vaccines and so on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, from that angle, I think we're kind of getting used to the situation as it is now, really. Mm, yeah. Ha has there ever been a point where, I don't know, like, you know, do, do you do you see these two duties as two separate things? So you've got like your, when you're, when you're a GP, you've got your GP hat on. Then when you're a chef, you've got your chef hat on. <laughs> have, they ever, have they ever mixed at any point in time? Yeah, they do. So I often do get sometimes um, questions, medical, like kind of thick related questions. For example, common one, um, a sister will say, I'm bleeding for X amount of days. You know, what does this, you know, or in terms of prayer, fasting, whatever the, the situation may be. Um, I had one the other day. Um, uh, I'm due for my second COVID vaccine in Ramadan. Does that break my fast? Uh, so there's there's often a, a bit of overlap between the two. And one of the good things about uh, Azhar was that in Azhar we had specific kind of um uh like uh, not set modules is the word I'm looking for. modules for example on uh relative uh or comparative not comparative but um day-to-day -day fit basically so for example things like uh, organ donation um you know so it, it was really good from that contemporary angle. contemporary that's the word i'm looking for yeah so there was we had a specific contemporary fit module which we do every year um so that really was was very helpful as well in terms of you know, shaping the things. And one of the other good things about Azhar was that it did teach you the different viewpoints from different schools of thought. So you're not just primarily focused on, on one angle, but it helps to expand your brain, expand your knowledge. And, and like I said, when you come to the UK and it's a melting pot of different backgrounds, you know, it'd be, you know, from Asia, Africa, 
you know, from from Arab backgrounds, wherever they may be, or you know, new Muslims, for example, um, having that understanding of the different viewpoints really does help, you know, shape your answer. Mm. And coming back to the question, Sheikh, so COVID mm. uh, vaccines during fasting, we might, as, we might as well just answer that now that you mentioned <laughs> it, because it's relevant to a lot of people this year. Yeah, it's intramuscular injection, it's fine, doesn't break your fast, um, no problem with it, inshallah. Inshallah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so that, that, that leads us into Ramadan then, this year, uh, which, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, I think inshallah it's going to be different, you know, we, we will have some access to mosques and so on, right? So compared yeah. to last year, there's definitely an improvement in that end, hopefully, yeah. right? Bit of bit more, bit bit more of a community feel, let's just say. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be different. Um, but there's always still you can never be you can never be hundred percent prepared for Ramadan as much as yeah. you try. You know, there's always going to be more that we can do. But you know, since we're almost there now, um, you know, what what would you advise at this stage? Some of the so what's what's like the key? You know, the most important things to keep in your yeah. mind going into Ramadan throughout Ramadan what would you normally advise so I normally advise two things two aspects to focus on one is to focus on your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is proportional to your relationship with his book the Quran that's clear that's you know that, that there's no we're not going to go into difference of opinion on that one that's that's clear yeah. the second one is to focus on your relationship with the creation so number one is your relationship with the creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the second one is with the creation meaning the people around you why because when the Quran, it touches your heart internally, externally, we should change as people. We should be a better son, a better daughter, a better father, a better mother, a better husband, a better wife, a better member of our masjid, a better member of our community, of society. That's how the Quran, the effect of the Quran is supposed to, you know, change us when it really affects our hearts. And, you know, Allah mentions the Quran, for, for example, So Allah says, he gives the example of water or rain. Okay, and in the Quran, as you know, when, when rain is mentioned, sometimes it can refer to revelation or the Quran, or sometimes close afterwards, it will, it will refer to the Quran or, or dhikr. And so when Allah gives the example of rain coming down, and it gives life to the dead earth, what does this mean? The Quran came down from the skies, just a revelation, just as rain came down. And just as rain, it gives life to the dead earth. The Quran gives life and light to the dead heart. Now, when you have the rain, that uh, you know the dead soil that you have, you've got the rain coming on top of it now. Externally, what happens? Externally, you have the plants, the trees, the flowers. Things start to grow externally now. Similarly, for us, when the Quran goes internally, externally, we should change as people. We should be uh, better in terms of our character, in terms of the things we say, the way we say things. Um, uh, generally, as people, so you know that's that that's the effect of the Quran. That's you know the two key things I'll, I'll you know I always mention. I always like to focus on. Because, um, you know, for example, you know, when it's Maghrib time and uh, it's dark and you, you switch the light on in your house, for example, in the corridor, somebody outside, uh, when they're walking by, they will see a light or they'll see a shadow. OK, they will see that there's, uh, you know, that there's that there's an effect going on there. They will see that you've changed so or changed something about you anyway because of the light. So similarly, in the month of Ramadan, we should be changing as people. Um, and that's one of the other ways in which we can look at if we are benefiting from the month of Ramadan. Mm, interesting. So what what would be some examples of that? I mean, you mentioned, that obviously, directly speaking, it would be family, right? You know, you've got just, you start at home, you know, as they say, charity begins at home. So yeah. you know, being better towards your family members and so on. Uh, yeah. But how would that manifest beyond uh, family, for example? Like, you know, would, yeah. would, that, would that be in the, in, the, in the form of like good manners towards people? It's developing your character. Like, what, what would you say? Yeah. 
No, I th- yeah, I think it's, it's all of that. And it, uh, it comes back to, it reminds me of the hadith of Prophet ﷺ where he said that the, uh, just paraphrasing the hadith, effectively that the best of people are those that are most beneficial to others. And when we help people, we help others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help us. We know the hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ said, Man Whoever removes a difficulty from somebody, Allah will remove a difficulty from you in this life and in the next. So uh, it's about helping others um, as well. That's a key, key aspect, whether that be, I don't know, with your time, whether that be, for example, um, giving somebody food, for example, for iftar. We know the hadith of Prophet where you, you know, when you, you feed somebody uh, or give them food for iftar, you get the reward of their fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, many ways in terms of, of that angle, but a key thing is really helping others, you know, wanting good for others, looking out for others, um, in, in any way, shape, or form that you can, you can really within this month in particular. Mm, interesting. So, um, throughout the month of Ramadan, I mean, one 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 thing that I always find is um, the first few days, great in masjid, yeah, is, uh, packed, and you know, everybody everybody's on it. Everybody's like, you know, super like just going for it. And uh, then there's always this dip, right? You know, towards the right. middle, and everyone kind of is like zoned out now. They're not really feeling yeah. it. And obviously, come towards the end, later to Qadr. Okay, let, let's 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 go again. Let's try. How do we? How do you avoid that? I mean, is it avoidable in the first place, um, yeah. or is it just human nature that we're just gonna we're just gonna get fatigued? Or is there a way of just being consistent? Like, what are your what's your? Yeah, no, there? It's, it's a very good point, and it's what I like to call is it's the trampoline effect. So what happens is. From beginning of Ramadan, you like a trampoline, you jump up and everyone's iman is high, everyone's praying together, fasting yeah. together, you know, maybe not meeting together, but in some way, shape or form. You see people in the masjid for Taraweeh you've never seen for like months, um, you know, that, that vibe is there. Uh, and then after a few days, like you rightly said, um, there's inevitably a bit of a dip. Um, and that's kind of inevitable in some way, shape or form uh, to, you know, to, to all of us in, to some degree anyway. But there are certain ways in which we can help avoid it or, or, or minimize it as such. So one of the things we can do is really uh, have a set of aims or set of goals for Ramadan. So break Ramadan up into, I don't know, if you want a weekly basis or every 10 days, for example, and have a certain goal that you want to achieve by this 10 days. So I want to read X amount of Quran. I want to attend X lectures, whatever it may be, or listen to X you know, series or podcasts or whatever it may be. Once you have that goal in mind, then you know that at the end of Ramadan, you have achieved something. Your Iman, inshallah, will be a lot higher than what it was before Ramadan. And that's, you know, the key thing. Whatever we are like now, we should not be the same during Ramadan and we should not be the same outside and after Ramadan, you know, inshallah, in two months' time. Uh, That's a key, key aspect. So um, having set goals, uh, having set aims, uh, you know, throughout the month, I think this is a really key thing. And inshallah will help us to be able to, to avoid that trampoline kind of um you know effect i mean when i was in egypt initially um egypt and ramadan is a bit different as well so mm. i didn't actually I, know, I love egypt mashallah alhamdulillah but i didn't like ramadan over there i preferred it here in the uk really yeah i preferred it here in the uk because and it was funny because i was over there throughout the year i would come back for ramadan here and people from here were going to egypt to listen yeah. to that no, that's, that's what i'm thinking like surely yeah. it's the opposite what was it then it, it's just the vibe is different over there really? here in Hey, yeah, here in the UK, mashallah, when, you know, obviously pre-COVID we're talking about, but you know mm-hmm. when the third is packed and, you know, you see your friends, you see your family and, you know, everyone, you know, you're meeting for iftar and so on. And 
that that you don't really have when you're kind of out there studying in Egypt. You know a few people here and then, there are some families and so on, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, alhamdulillah, you know, we've got really good, you know, reciters, alhamdulillah, you know, in, in most of the masajid now. So if not all the masajid. So, um, you know, I, I really did prefer Ramadan, uh, to be honest, over the, over here. Although, like I said, I have, you know, love for Egypt, mashallah. I was there for the... Um, uh, three presidents for Mubarak, Jantan Mubarak, Jantan Mursi, Jantan yeah. Sisi. So, so a lot, alhamdulillah, but um, the Ramadan wow. is something else. <laughs> wow, wow, interesting. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I think you're right as well. I think um, for those of us in the UK anyway, I don't know everybody listening is from the UK, but uh, I think alhamdulillah we are blessed depending on which community you're from. Like, you know, we do have, like you said, uh, we have actually some great reciters, we have a good community vibe and, and so on. Uh, I think sometimes we can take that for granted where, like you said, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of us, we want to go abroad to hear those recitations. But actually, sometimes you, you don't need to go far to find uh, to find some 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 excellent reciters here as well and, and get that vibe. So that's 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 uh, interesting. So, but yeah, coming back to the point of um, mm. that dip in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, of course, from a from a very kind of like natural human point of view, it, it is it is, of course, um, inevitable that you might kind of feel like a, a dip, right? Yeah. But it's still possible. I think, you know, when it comes to progressing in Ramadan, a lot of us, we we go with like speed. So we think like, okay, the quicker I can do things, yeah, uh, then the better it is, the more reward I'm going to get. Yeah. It's all about speed, speed, speed. So like, oh, let me, let me get a khatam in within the first, you know, week or, or 10 days. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, I mean, do, do, would you agree with that? Would you say, no, it's better to just be consistent and yeah, small amounts. I mean, we know the Hadith of Prophet said that the best deed is the you know the the most consistent, even if it is small. <clears throat> in Ramadan, though, we do want to push ourselves. So uh, I definitely say push yourself in Ramadan. Uh, do as much as you can. Uh, Zuhri, for example, said that uh, one tasbih in Ramadan <clears throat> is equivalent to a thousand outside of Ramadan. So um, you know the reward of Ramadan is 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 something else. I was thinking about uh, yesterday. We we're talking about kids. Um, when I was uh, speaking to my daughter, and I said, uh, we're talking about Ayatul Kursi. So Ayatul Kursi just approximately has 190 letters, right. which means that you recite Ayatul Kursi once, every letter, as we know from Nadine Muslim, you get 10 good deeds. 1,900 good deeds just by reciting Ayatul Kursi. We know the Prophet said uh, in a Nasa'i that whoever recites Ayatul Kursi after every prayer, meaning five times a day, there will be nothing between that person and Jannah except death, meaning you will be from the people of Jannah. Right, so imagine you recite Hatul Kursi after every single prayer five times a day. That's nearly ten thousand good deeds. Okay, outside the Ramadan, imagine inside the Ramadan how many good deeds that is. That's just mind blowing, right? Mm. So, um, you know, focusing on, on on maybe having these certain types of goals. Maybe you're not used to reciting Hatul Kursi after every prayer, but now you think, okay, you know, let's try and make this an aim, a habit, or um, you know, I want to recite whatever it may be, one page a day. You know, it doesn't have to be big. But the key thing is having something. Um, and, you know, as the saying goes, if, um, if you don't prepare, then you're preparing to fail, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, starting now, um, really just have a set goal, even if it's simple, it doesn't matter. But just have something. And, you know, even if you don't achieve that goal, by the mercy and the rahmah of Allah, we still get rewarded for our intention. So, mm. of Islam, uh, you know, having the, you know, reward for the intention as well as the act in and of itself. Yeah, subhanAllah. I think it sounds like... Um... A lot more kind of measurable, smaller targets, isn't it? Um, right. Like I have to after every prayer. It sounds like something yeah. that everybody can kind of do instead of yeah. aiming for 
whatever it may be. Uh, yeah. Just following the crowd kind of thing. Like, yeah, 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 everybody's yeah. in the khatam, so I need to... Uh, yeah. yeah, inshallah, we should definitely push, but uh, doing it within a certain time frame, I think, you know, That's keeping right. it consistent to avoid um, that but, dip. Yeah, 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 yeah. What will happen is... Um, you yeah sometimes you will just start like a train and then and then you will just the train will go off the rails on yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you want to avoid that really um but at the same time don't start too like so if you have capability of doing more then push yourself okay mm. definitely you know it's ramadan uh it's a limited time many people who were here last ramadan are not here this ramadan as you as, as you will know from you know covid and and, and various other situations so Allah has blessed us with this. We ask Allah to enable us to see this Ramadan. Um, so do do try and make the most of it. Um, and, and have set targets, like I said, whether it's every week, whether it's every 10 days. And then the, the month you know, okay, alhamdulillah, I would have achieved this, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Um, coming to actually, I'm actually going to bring your, uh, I'm going to bring both your hats now, your your sheikh hat and your uh, you know medical uh, background, mm -hmm. right, together. Just, I'm just, you know, interested to know, like, uh, what, tips you may have generally speaking on so we're talking about fatigue for example you know, that, that is kind of i would say it's kind of linked to also taking care of your health as well yeah because uh, you know throughout if you're just like you know you're like you're, you're just not sleeping for example uh, yes you know you're not giving your body it's right or you're not eating properly um that's gonna surely that's gonna affect you and then it's gonna go affect you spiritually as well right most definitely most definitely so um <laughs> i had a question on instagram you know the photograph on instagram yeah yeah, one of the photographs was, what's the best way to lose weight in the Ramadan? I'm like, that's, alhamdulillah, you want to lose weight. <laughs> that's not the Ramadan, okay? So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, standing up, praying taraweeh, if somebody's not used to it, for example, lengthy prayer, and you've just eaten a big meal, inevitably that's going to have a knock-on effect on your khushu and your concentration. And we know that the, the reward of our salah, the specific reward is proportional to our khushu. So definitely in terms of physical health, uh, you know, fasting, and we have to be realistic. It's it's not, fasting is not easy necessarily. You know, you're fasting, mm. you know, long hours. You know, nobody can say, okay, it's just, you know, a walk in the park. But for 30 days consistently to be in day in, day out, to be fasting and day in, day out at nighttime, to be praying, getting up early again, going to bed late again and so on. Um, you know, it's, it's not a simple task. So, uh, you know, having your body prepared for that will definitely, definitely impact on you spiritually as well. Um, the food that you eat, for example, um, will definitely impact on you as well. So uh, there are a number of things that, that, that need to be, um, you know, taken into account. Why did the Prophet, for example, break his fast with dates? Is it because that they were, you know, high energy? So, you know, it gives you that boost straight away. Or is it because that was the only thing that was there available? Well, there were many things that you could have eaten uh, at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, definitely looking at what you're going to eat, um, uh, the size of the portions that you're going to eat as well um, will, will, will have an effect on you uh, spiritually as well. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, those are important points to touch on because I think we're all guilty of that from time to time. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to do, you know, you know how you do qada for missing prayers. I think sometimes we do we do qada for missing food all day. We're like, right, yeah. that's it. I'm gonna just shove everything down, but that's on the table. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, fair enough. You want to do that, but it's not really good for your health. And like we said, immediately after that, you wanna you wanna push yourself that night to do yeah. more. Right. You're, you're out of it, right? Yeah, we know that you know the hadith of Prophet Sallam that the the best path is the middle path. So you know, not going to either kind of extreme uh, as such and 
obviously the other famous hadith about the Prophet where he said that um, you know when we eat we should fill a third of our of our stomach. So um, yeah, various different narrations that that mentions in terms of how we should be. Mm-hmm, definitely. I want to. So coming back, I, I did say I wanted to speak about because these are things that to be honest we do speak about quite often. Yeah. Uh, and you know, alhamdulillah, a lot of us know these things. Maybe we're not yeah. always implementing, but we know. But there's 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 one area or there's one demographic age group right that we well, we don't necessarily speak about a lot mm. and uh, i think that's the kids the children um us yeah. adults we're always talking about what we can do in ramadan uh, and we know we can go to the mosque and so on right we can fast and so on kids yeah. maybe can't fast the full day you know it might be too long they might not be able to go to the masjid it's too late at night so yeah. how do you especially living in like the west for example you know you don't live in a muslim country you don't have that kind of identity i mean we all know when it comes to Christmas time here, when it comes to Easter time, for example, when it comes to any other time, kids know, right? And they kind of get that vibe. Um, but when it comes to Ramadan, uh, starting from the home, what yeah. would you advise to parents, to older siblings, whoever it may be, uncles, aunties, uh, to do for their kids? I think that's that's a really important one. Yeah, I, I think the key thing is we need to make Ramadan something enjoyable for the kids. And we need to take that responsibility on our shoulders. It is our responsibility to build the love of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the Quran, of this month of Ramadan into their heart and instill the love of Allah into their hearts. That's that's really our responsibility. Uh, you know, I had a question on, on Photogram the other day. Somebody said, are we allowed to do Ramadan calendars for our kids? You know that you can get chocolates. Yeah, yeah. Of countdowns or that kind of yes, you are. There was what's wrong with that? There's this, you know, you're not you're not producing a new act of worship, you're yeah. doing something enjoyable, fun, relatable to your kids. Um, and we should, and we and we really need to make it relatable and fun. Um, and and so that's you know, there are various ways in which we can do it. I mean, one of the ways is, as you know is that I'm kind of doing some series in terms of my own family, my own kids. Um, you know, relating to the Quran and mm. Ramadan and this new one is called Juz by Juz Story. So each day we're going through a new story from each Juz mm. um, and really just short episodes. You don't want something too long. You don't want something too lengthy, but yeah. just being able to relate to your children, um, using relatable examples uh, when you're discussing things with your children. Um, you know, uh, and the other thing, of course, is children will reflect what you do. If they see you having a good relationship with the Quran, if they see you praying, if they see you sitting down and listening to a lecture, if they see you picking up the Quran and reading it, they will learn and they will do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, when you pray, for example, and you're praying and you may maybe you have a young kid and that young kid, maybe he's year, two years, three years, they will come and they will start jumping on your back or they will say you're in sujood. Or they will start imitating how you pray. You haven't told them to imitate how you pray, but they've seen you do it and they will start copying. It. And subconsciously, that has an effect on their hearts. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the way we are as, as parents, um, you know, will definitely, definitely have an impact in terms of uh, our children. Mm. Would, you, would you say it's important to, um, like, I think that's a great point you mentioned, just your own example at home, you're setting that environment. So we know that the environment at home is, is really important. Um, but even like, you know, just as kids grow up, you know, you want, you want them to kind of connect more. Um, so for example, like taking them to the masjid with you, um, you know, teaching them a bit about Ramadan, uh, you know, whatever it may be, getting them to fast, even like, I don't know, a few hours, for example, right. Waking up at Suhoor time, if if possible, you know, things like that. I do think that's, that's also quite important to the identity. 
yeah, yeah. De most definitely most definitely i mean um even so my kids so for example abdullah he's six so he's like oh wake me up for sahur you know wake me up for pleasure you know get, he sees it as fun they see it as fun they say oh that's yeah, some food out of it as well <laughs> It's a midnight feast. <laughs> they enjoy it. They really enjoy it. Or staying up for iftar and then for that particular iftar, you may be, I don't know, um, you, you you have a, a milkshake or whatever it is that your your children like, okay? Um, something healthy, obviously, but something fun that they enjoy. Um, so whatever it is, but make it fun for them, okay? You don't want to sit there and then you're having your samosas and you're having this and that, and they don't like that, okay? You want to make it relatable to them. So definitely, uh, you know, uh, maybe have it as a goal say for example say to your children you know um you know let's let's have a plan on saturday night for example you can stay up for iftar or i'll get you up for suhoor or something along those lines and reward them as well rewarding is is, is key in terms of um you know even from the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam how he would deal with children how he would relate to children um you know he would ask them about the the famous narration about the brother of anas ibn malik uh, he would ask about his little pet bird Imagine the, the busiest person probably ever in humanity, a leader of the ummah, you know, the last ever prophet sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sent with the best of books, the Quran. He's asking a little boy, how is your pet bird? So really taking, you know, an uh, interest in the things that they do um, and, 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 and rewarding them for the things that they do as well. Uh, something very important. So you can make it fun without a doubt. Um, it's just about looking for those ways and it will, you know, vary from from you know kid to kid as well in terms of what they like um but you we we can and we must you know make it relatable and fun and enjoyable taking them to the masjid is another one you mentioned so i give one example for myself um so when i uh not now because of the children aren't allowed in, in the masjid in the uk but prior to that so sometimes when i would take abdullah um i would i would tell him look whenever we go into the masjid you know you have that money box there for example so i say put something in the money box so even if it, you know, I don't have it like, you know, a few pennies, whatever it may be. Okay. Um, and that will really build that habit into them as well. So now, for example, he can't go to the masjid because of COVID, but he's like, oh, you're taking me for the masjid. He's reminding, he's reminding me to take so the masjid. Now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having those small things, taking the kids to the masjid when you can, of course, when it's appropriate, you know, when the kids are at an appropriate age as well. Um, so a number of factors to consider, but it will really build the love of Allah into their hearts. Yeah, I think making it fun is, is yeah. really, really, you know, I think that, that that statement stands out to me. Again, when it comes to religion, a lot of us can be very kind of serious, you know, even when it comes to kids are like, no, 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 you know, don't, don't disturb me now. You go do your thing. Right. And then we kind of, but then what we're doing at the same time, of course, you know, that there needs to be that balance. But what we're doing in that process is we're not, we're not letting the kids experience any of it. We're just like, no, no, no it's my time to worship now. You go away, you know, I'm not going to take it to the masjid, you're just disturbing and so on. But I think making them feel a part of it as well, you know, making yeah. them, uh, making Islam seem a bit more, which it is, you know, a lot more kind of practical, you know, approachable kind of manner where, you know, it may be the case where some of us, when we start to kind of practice our religion a bit more, we think, okay, that's it. No more fun. Fun's out the window now. It's time to just get serious. <laughs> and when you've got kids looking at you doing that, they think, what they do is they attribute religion to like the serious, serious stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything works. else. Okay, let me be. A, let me yeah. just cause some trouble. Do you think that is a problem as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time that happened, and and to be completely honest with you, that happened to me as well. Uh, yeah. In terms of when 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 I was first studying and things like that, because you just you're in the zone of just books and things like that, and um, 
really can uh, you can just become this boring serious person as such but Islam is not like that Islam is not just books it's about and that's why I was mentioning at the beginning the importance of being able to to, to relate to people and um, you know being open and, and, and conversing and, and meeting people and so on in various environments um, because you're able to then relate to them and uh, Islam is not just theory Islam is a practical way of life in terms of how we how we live. Uh, how we eat, how we drink, you know, how we speak, how we talk, how we dress, everything essentially. So um, definitely, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really, really important point, a really key point in terms of how we are and how we interact um, with our children, not making it boring as such. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't be boring. I think we, we all had that growing up, that kind of struggle. Like um, yeah. at, we, we did subconsciously attribute religion to us just strict, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, sort of like a set of laws, set of rules. That's right. Follow Islam, basically, and I think another one is like I always advise people, like you know, when you have kids and you say to them, oh, "Don't mess about because Allah is going to punish you," right? Mm. And, and like you're kind of instilling this fear in their heart, like Allah is like out there to like get yeah. me when I do something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I know, I know, we, I don't, I know we don't mean anything like malicious by it, but the kid yeah. understands yeah. that to mean something really bad. Yeah, that's going to happen to me, and it's just bad, bad, bad religion. Yeah, so that that's a good point. So that, in a way, in in isolation, as you mentioned, if is and, and which is often the case, then it can be potentially, I won't say detrimental, but it can it can you know have a certain impact. Put it that way. But if you balance it out and say you know Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, He loves it when um, you know you you give in charity, for example, or when you help somebody else, or when you give somebody else their date to break their fast, um, or Allah says that He loves. Um, uh, in Allah, that Allah loves those people who uh, turn back to him and make dua. So that's why we make dua before Maghrib. So as long as we balance it out and give them a fair kind of understanding, yeah. then um, that's that's a you know a key point from it. Yeah, yeah, inshallah. Uh, let's 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 uh, you know we're coming to the end. So I wanted to conclude by you know just asking you, generally speaking, what are you know coming back to a more practical point um, we, to kind of summarize everything we've spoken about is you know what are what are you, Sheikh Sali, and the Azharis? Or you, like, what's the three focus areas for you this Ramadan that you're going to be doing and that uh, all of us can, inshallah, try to implement and learn from? Three yeah. Ahead. yeah, I mean, three. For the Azharis, as, as we mentioned, so the Azharis, we've got the Juz Bajah stories, um, and that is really for children, for families that can sit and learn together. As said, one story every day. As a, for example, the first story is about Allah and the angels. Second one, for example, is about Musa and Fir'aun. So that's coming Why out. Watch that, by the way. That's on YouTube. So that'll be on YouTube. So if you just YouTube the Esseries, um, and then there's a fun kind of workbook we developed that children can then do afterwards. So again, trying to make it fun and engaging, as we, as we said. So for example, there's coloring, tracing, code breakers, word searches, that type of thing, just to help consolidate their knowledge. So uh, that's one angle I, I particularly found was helpful in, in terms of attaching the children's hearts to the Quran because mm. otherwise it can't they're just reading this book they don't understand Arabic they don't understand what they're reading they don't know why they're reading it they don't know you know it's again it, it, it doesn't really help instill the love of Allah into them so that's why we try to do something relatable with kids with using my own kids really um, mm. as what my life is like so that, that's one um, number two is uh, so I'm doing a daily tafsir surah Yusuf inshallah uh, again, that's on YouTube. So if you just YouTube my name, um, so that's why I was waiting for your book to come out. It would have been useful. Would have been, <laughs> would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, so last year we did sort of calf actually. It was really good. So we did it 20 minutes every day. Uh, also, so going to Tafsir and Tadabur of Suratul Kaf. Um, and there's interactive, we have questions and so on. There's open QA. So that's every day, inshallah. So those are kind of the two main things, really, that I would say uh, for this particular Ramadan. Inshallah. Sounds good. Yeah, looking forward to especially to the to the series for kids. That's definitely something I'm going to get my nephews and nieces to, to watch the Just by Just, inshallah. Looking forward to watching that on YouTube. And I think it's great that you are, you know, the work, a lot of the work that you're doing, mashallah, is, is based around uh, kids. Uh, I think we need a lot more content for the kids to keep them engaged. You know, we know we know how much content is really out there for kids, not non-Islamic content. Yeah. We know how much of that is out there. That's um, right. And, you know, I think a lot of us, what we do from time to time, we complain like, oh, you know, kids are watching, spending too much time doing this, that, right? We complain, but we're not actually doing anything about it. Uh, there's no alternative. So like... Well, this is the thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is what I'm saying. My own kids, I was like, okay, they, you know, nowadays people, kids are into TV technology, should I say, not necessarily TV, yeah. you know, mobile phones, apps, whatever it may be. What is there out there for 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 kids of that of you know kind of age from say I don't know three to ten or so? And there really is there's cartoons and, and animation, mashallah, excellent, and we need more of them. But in terms of real life kids, like you have, for example, in in in, in a kind of non-Islamic sphere, real life kids who are on t, you know TV and they're doing their own series or programs, whatever it is. We don't have that. So um, really it was just, and it started off as a pilot and um, you know, alhamdulillah it's grown. So uh, really just trying to make it relatable that so other kids can see, um, you know, what children here are, you know, doing or trying and they make mistakes and kids make mistakes and they say funny things. And for example, they will tell you how I ate, ate all the eat cake, which I didn't do by the way, but they'll tell you all funny <laughs> um, so it's, it's quite funny and enjoyable for, for, you know, for families to watch as well. Yeah. Kids, uh, mashallah, kids are so innocent as well. The kind of questions uh, <laughs> they ask is just hilarious. Like I remember uh, my, um, my, my, my nephew actually, mm-hmm. he asked like, um, Oh, uh, uh, you know, does does Allah eat cookies? It's like <laughs> such a random question. Like, you know, does Allah like cookies? Yeah, and I was because obviously he must have just had cookies, right? And that's what's on yeah. his mind. And then yeah. you know, whatever. So, so I was like, you know, like that's actually a challenge to answer these questions. Yeah, 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 yeah Trying to do it in a respectful way. That's right. And you're not gonna, you can't just fob them off and be like, I still feel like don't ask these questions. How yeah. dare you? But you got yeah. to answer. So I was just like, why do you eat cookies for? He's like. Yeah, I eat cookies because it's nice. And I was like, oh, why do you eat food for? Said, oh, because I need food to keep me healthy and strong. And I was like, does Allah need to, to eat and keep healthy and strong? Isn't Allah already the strongest? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is, you kind of understood. Allah doesn't need cookies because he doesn't need food. Uh, and I think that is a challenge, right, with kids to, to answer their questions and to not just not just say go away basically right? yeah, yeah 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 and i can't say go away to them when on the camera as well it's good fun filming and it's good fun alhamdulillah i think for yeah. all other views would like it inshallah for your for your time honestly yeah. Re- really really appreciate it i think it was great we had some great discussions today and um you know like i said looking forward to the series um, and you know keep us in your du'as and prayers throughout Ramadan inshallah and to our viewers and listeners thank you once again for tuning in to the Ilmfi podcast hope you enjoyed uh, our discussions today with Sheikh Salim um, and we're really looking forward to Ramadan with the whole Ilmfi family I know you're all in different parts of the world um, and I hope inshallah that this Ramadan is the best one yet for all of you inshallah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all thank you so much Sus- subscribe to our channel keep an eye out for New content coming uh, this Ramadan from Ilm Feed as well. Uh, but for now, from myself, Shabir, from Sheikh Salim, 
we'll see you next time, inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.